and they're terrified that the government is going to continue with what's been a bit of a long-term tax clampdown on startups. It started initially with the reduction of entrepreneurs' relief a few years ago, now talking about capital gains tax drastically being increased. And the last bastion is really that EIS and SEIS scheme, which is so important. And a lot of people are worried that, that it is going to be scaled back in the next budget. And when you look at the recent surveys, there was one in the Times the other day, over 35% of 18 to 34 year olds are looking to found a startup this year. When you remove those tax incentives, that becomes so much more difficult at a time where it's more needed than ever. On today's show, we're talking to Roy Samuel, the CEO and founder of Connected. And we're exploring how startups and founders can take advantage of the finances that there are on offer to them through the investment community. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly tech podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some tech news and opinion. On today's show, I'm joined as usual by Akish, but we've also got a new voice on the show. Welcome, Amber. Hello, welcome. I don't know why I'm saying welcome to myself, actually. Um, hi, I should say. It's a good start. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Fantastic. Know what you said about uh, silly things. There's one right there. <laughs> Akish, you're looking kind of, you're not, you're not just kind of going to sit back and, and let Amber kind of fall into any elephant traps, are you? No, 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 no. Oh. I um, no, no, no. We, we, we're all here to support each other. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's good to have another person, um, another host. So very talking of supporting each other. Um, I think it's my duty to tell people that you're thinking of stealing stuff from our office. I am. Yeah. And, and happily put my hands up and admit I, I will be. Yeah. Before you've done it. I, I don't care. I'm going to be driving up this weekend in my own car, going into the office, wheeling a chair out and wheeling it into the back of my car and driving back home. Because the thing is, my back is killing me. I'm stood up at the moment. I've I've made this like self uh, stand up desk thing where I'm putting my laptop in the uh, bookshelf. Um, I was looking at ergonomic chairs, like proper good ones. They're about 400 quid, like decent ones. And I was, I was thinking, I've spent so many years in the office, not really had any issues. Um, I'm just going to take one of the chairs. No problem. And as you pointed out, there are like 200 sitting there without anyone in them. Nothing. No one sat on them since March. So if anything, I'm doing them a favor. Do you know what I mean? Who? The chairs? Well, I mean, the whoever's bought them, return on investment, I don't know, bums on seats, whatever the hell you want to call it, man. <laughs> um, I think it's quite Are a good idea, though, honestly. Uh, well, I don't know. It might open the floodgate. I mean, if, if you go in there and nick a chair, it might be like, well, my God. People will come back and there'll be like three chairs left. Right. Um, I'll bring it back when we're, we're all in the office. I hope so. Yeah, 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 I promise I'll bring it back. I'm not just going to keep it. <laughs> Whose chair are you going to nick? Uh, my one, because it's definitely. In the, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I know where I left it, and it's actually got a few of my um, blazers on there as well. Um, so yeah, I, rem I remember. Do you remember that period when we were actually allowed to go into the office in the summer or just after summer? Um, yes. We, we we recorded a few pods in there together, um, and yeah, I remember identifying my chair, and it was quite a happy moment. And uh, yeah, being sad on it, bit sad in it, really. <laughs> bit fucking sad, but uh, that's what kind of year twenty twenty was that you identified well, yeah. and that was a happy moment. Exactly, exactly. Please tell me. Then. I feel like you've left it a long time without without yeah. taking a chair. I would have done it there and then. I've been optimistic that we were uh, that this working from home mm -hmm. stuff is isn't going to last that long. 
that that optimism's gone now. I think <laughs> I feel I feel like we're just going to be remote for the foreseeable. So yeah. Um, Amber, is there anything that you would nick from the office other than a chair? Well, one thing when we first went, I was thinking, you know, there was always loads of fruit. There was loads of like bananas and loads of cereals. Might, might have gone off. That is exactly what I thought. I was like, I really hope someone sorted out the fruit. But uh, besides that, um, yeah, probably a chair as well. I feel like I'm getting a bit of like tech neck. I'm kind of like hunched over. Just, yeah, not very comfortable. Sat on an old wooden chair, which is not, again, not particularly yeah. comfortable. So, I, um, think yeah, I, yeah. I think I'd, um, yeah, I think I'd go for a chair as well, like a quiche. I, I can do a chair delivery service, yeah. I reckon. I, I can do it. Oh, fantastic. Because yeah, yeah. okay. I can bundle about. If I fold my seats down, I've got a pretty big car. I can get about four chairs in there, I reckon. So, no, they're big yeah, chairs. How I've big got four car? by four, so I could fold like the back. Why you live in? Yes, I bought it before the lockdown. <clears throat> okay, yeah, calm down. It- what driving around? What? what yeah, storage? it's a nice car though, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's a nice car. <laughs> Proper Chelsea tractor. Yeah, All right. yeah. but I, I could get it in there. And also, I haven't used it for a few weeks. Um, and I quite fancy a drive because obviously I've had COVID. Um, so I've been staying at home and I fancy a little bit of a drive. So, yeah. Do a delivery service. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So long as it's to Harvey Nash employees <laughs> yes, only. Yes, yeah. I'm not going to be that selling be it awkward. on a blue car boot sale, opening up the boot, going, hey, you office chairs. <laughs> you never know. Right. <laughs> Anyway, welcome to the show, Amber. Thank you. I think we'll dive into our interview. Um, this is with Roy, not Roey, as I'm about to say. Uh, that's a mispronunciation on my part. Apologies. It's with Roy. He is the CEO uh, of Connected. Um, we will be back with some commentary afterwards and then, of course, later on some tech news. Today, I'm talking to Roey Samuel. Uh, Roey, you're the founder of Connected. How are you? Really good, thanks, David. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Uh, Connected is not a new business you've been around for a little while but connected as a brand is a new brand to the market right yeah absolutely so we were initially link exec which was a great brand but sounds a bit like a recruiter so we're now connected yeah (laughs) no negative connotations there it just sounded like a recruiter so we're uh, we're now connected yeah yeah uh look just very quickly then link exec people might have come across the legacy brand but who are connected Sure. So Connected is essentially a platform that strategically connects startup founders with investors and advisors through a matching algorithm. Now, it's always been one of the things that startup uh, founders have found quite tricky to get in front of investors. Um, Has that been made easier or more difficult by the pandemic? Part of me imagines easier, but that might be naive. It's really interesting. I think if you come from a place where you have a really strong established network, maybe you've spent your career in finance, maybe you've been a founder before, and you've got those connections there, it's really easy to reach out to those people. However, although COVID has made us work definitely more productively, it's made us work a lot more in isolation. So if you don't have the network and you don't have those opportunities there, where are they going to come from? Hmm. Yet, 
sorry, this is, I do find this really interesting, right? Because you kind of go back and you talk about this in, in, in kind of legacy terms. And let's, let's, let's say that 2019 is legacy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was always this idea that if you were based in London, it was great because the, the, the investment community was in London. Uh, but if you were up in Edinburgh, you had to get on a train to come down to London. Obviously, yeah. those barriers aren't there. And yeah, absolutely, you have to have the network. But has it opened up a, a larger geographical pool? Mm, absolutely. So what we saw in the connected platform in 2020 was quite amazing. In just under 15% of the fundraisers that happened there, the founder and investor met face to face. So in the vast majority, these things are happening purely digitally. And we've seen startups from the Southwest, from Northern Ireland, from, from places in really remote places in Scotland, get investment from London-based investors where that would never have happened previously. So absolutely, a lot of these digital solutions are really assisting with that flow. Um, without those digital solutions, though, you know, absolutely, it's very much an isolation and difficult to do. And when you're talking to founders on your platform, how are you getting across the... <laughs> It's just interesting to know what kind of advice you're giving them, right? Because there was always that thing that, you know, you meet someone on online over, over a video and you know whether or not someone's capable, mm-hmm. but you don't really know if you like them. Um, and, and a lot of the, the, the reason that an investor would commit to a startup is because they get that, that feeling that that person's authentic, that they're genuine, that they really believe in the business. And that has to be a little bit harder. It's one of those intangibles, right, to, to, to replicate online. Absolutely. And, and it is more difficult. And it's interesting you mentioned that because one of the biggest incentives for investors to make those investments is a lot around the tax schemes that we have in the UK, mm. primarily, primarily around sort of uh, SEIS and EIS, which is the Seed Enterprise Investment Scheme and the Enterprise Investment Scheme. And the way that those work is it provides the investor tax incentive where anywhere between 30 and 50% of the amount they invest, they write off against their next tax bill. So these sorts of mechanisms and incentives are really important in helping that flow of investment stay there during this isolated world where you're not necessarily having that face-to-face interaction, which is important. And am I right in thinking that that is under review in the next budget? I mean, obviously, no one really knows exactly what might happen in the spring budget wise, but um, it's, it's quite topical. You're kind of talking about it now, but it is something that, that's concerning the investment community, right? Absolutely. So the next budget, I believe, is being delivered on March 3rd. And I recently spoke to one of the founding members of the EIS Association, and that's been pretty much the leading body on that since the early 80s. And they're terrified that the government is going to continue with what's been a bit of a long-term tax clampdown on startups. It started initially with the reduction of entrepreneurs' relief a few years ago, now talking about capital gains tax drastically being increased. And the last bastion is really that EIS and SEIS scheme, which is so important. And a lot of people are worried that that it is going to be scaled back in the next budget. And when you look at the recent surveys, there was one in the Times the other day, over 35% of 18 to 34-year-olds are looking to found a startup this year. When you remove those tax incentives, that becomes so much more difficult at a time where it's more needed than ever. I mean, obviously, the government's got probably the, the historically the, the biggest bill it's ever had in history with the furlough scheme and whatever else and you can kind of understand maybe a nervousness about or, or trying to find where they can they can recoup some of that money but surely this is the wrong time to attack the startup community perhaps or or at least make it harder for some of those 18 to, to 34 35 year olds that you, you, you're mentioning 
Well, that's exactly it. And when we're talking about early stage investment, we're talking about job creation. People raise finance to, of course, build greater technology, but to scale up their teams, to bring in more heads. So a reduction in that tax incentive is a, an attack on the potential job creation market, as far as I see. So look, you, you deal with a lot of startup founders. What advice do you have to them right now? It's a challenging market. There's obviously a lot of people who are interested in, in getting access to finances. How, how are they going to get on someone's radar? So I think the strategic element of it is more important than ever for both sides. As you mentioned before, when people aren't getting to get together face to face, it's so important that the person you're speaking to knows your market, they're educated on it, they understand the problems, and therefore why your solution makes sense. And similarly, from a founder's perspective, if you're giving away dilutive equity in your business, it's got to be to someone who brings not just cash, it's got to be industry-specific knowledge, contact networks, all that good stuff. So doing the research, identifying strategically why they're a good fit and how they're going to improve your business, because that makes the most sense for both sides. It's interesting that you say about know your market, because the one thing that I had read was that the investment community are kind of flying or taking flight back to kind of traditional sectors and, and you know, making investments in a tricky market in 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 sectors that they know is that something that you're seeing because there mm -hmm. there is an explosion right of, of innovation around areas that i suppose we'd never really thought about because of the fact that we're all stuck in our homes and people are coming up with new ideas and yet if the investment community are don't have the appetite for that i suppose that could be an issue right yeah, a lot of, especially in the UK, investors like to stick to what they know. So every investor has got a different risk profile, of course. But if you're going to play it safe, speak to someone about something they know. It's pretty much the best advice you can give. Yeah. And look, um, it'd be really interesting to know what, you're, what you think is going to happen in 2021. You know, the, the, how do you see the market panning out? And, and what do you think the trends might be from, from your perspective that people should look out for? So that's a great question. And we saw very early on in 2020, the impact that COVID had on these early stage businesses, they either were able to pivot, they died, or they were COVID resistant. Mm -hmm. And I think we'll just see a continuation of that trend, anything which is bringing education online, telemedicine, anything improving connectivity in these traditional physical uh, sectors, physical worlds, it is going to be a massive, massive um, area of focus and investment for a lot of investors not just at the personal level but in, at institutional level as well uh, look very very uh, quick last point um connected are growing right so if someone is listening to this and they're going oh, hang on that sounds like an interesting business and that's in an interesting area uh, and they, they want to come and work for you uh, you know i assume there's a website but kind of what without going into specifics kind of what type of people are you looking for and, and how might they they get involved in, and join the business yeah, absolutely. So we recently tied up our first US fundraise on the platform, happened very organically. So the plan very much is to have a US presence within the next 12 months. So anyone who's got exposure to that market, we would love to hear from you. And you can reach out to us on connect.co. Cool. Look, Rowie, thank you for your time. Um, happy New Year. I think we can still say that. It's the 12th of January when we're recording. Um, I hope it goes really well. And thanks for your insight around the investment community and, and, and what people might see in 2021. Brilliant. Thank you, David. Right. Not to put you on the spot or anything, Amber, but did you? what did you think of this interview? Well, I think my first thought, because the first thing that kind of came up was about the name. And I think really clever choice to change the name because it did sound like a recruitment firm as he said so himself but um 
yeah, I mean, besides that, I think it's um, it's a really cool idea, isn't it? I mean, not that I've like ever started my own business, but if I was going to, you wouldn't really know where to go to to find all these different sources, all these different people, investors, advisors. So, yeah, I think I think that's you know collating all that data together. It's um, a really cool idea. I can see why they're sort of they're growing and it's it's doing really well by the sounds of things. Yeah, access to the finance community is not easy when you're a startup. Um, and normally the traditional model, you kind of get a chairman on board and there's someone who's been involved in a few different startups and then, you, few, you know, they, they, they have a few relationships that they broker for you. So I suppose it's just kind of, it's a, it's a model which brings that knowledge into one place for a number of different startups all at once, which, which does make sense. I think it also allows people to, um, to, to access each other that have the same, kind of i don't know the mindset or, or the same passion on things as well um whereas before i mean we've seen throughout the whole lockdown period you know so many businesses have started i've got so many friends that have started candle companies baking businesses uh like clothing yeah chair, chair rental. rentals up and coming um do you know what i mean but, but so many things and, and i think you know whilst obviously that platform isn't for, for that sort of market so to speak but i think if you have business ideas and you're looking for that kind of investment and that injection of cash having a portal or that sort of system almost to access you know people that you, you is, is hard to meet people anyway at the moment but where you could get you know um availability and access i think that's great um and it will help so many people out man it would literally help so many people out um and and if it's not to kind of start something new maybe it could help with with other bits like networking and and just building contacts and and maintaining in touch um which i think is great and it's good to see the community helping each other i think um definitely a good thing yeah absolutely Let's face it. It's it's we've spoken before on the show when we had a Yearn Club and we had Carly Carly on on as a guest, oh, probably two three months ago now, and that was all. You know, she she was struggling to to reconnect with the London technology community because she'd been in the states for several years, and right now you don't have all of the usual events that you can go to. You don't have the meetups. You don't have all of that. So. And and all of the, the co-working spaces are obviously shut and some will struggle to reopen on the other side of this pandemic. So there has to be some other mechanism for people to get together and share mm, ideas, right? Exactly. And um, and I think if, if people are sharing the ideas with each other, with a common goal and a common interest, I think that that, that helps, right? Um, and for consumers like us, it allows us, I guess, to have a bit of excitement and, and kind of look forward to new products, new services, new companies being kind of launched um, and for us to, to reap the benefits. I think it's great. Yeah. On that point, I did think it was good that there are a lot of companies that he listed that were basically there to improve society or to help address. It's not just consumerization for the point of it, is it? What he was describing was better networking in terms of computer networking and 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 fixing problems that people are facing right now. No, I think um yeah, I think it's a good point is that it's not a case of like you said just consumer stuff, it's actually like I, I think going off of Keisha's point just to sort of backtrack a little bit. I think the fact that it's not just investors or advise, uh, you know advisors, it's actually people with like a similar mindset. I think that's really exciting because I think when those kind of people come together, they just sort of bounce off of each other, don't they? Um mm you're not necessarily there just to, you know, get in, invest in or, you know, investment or get funding. Um, but it's actually just to maybe just have a conversation, get some advice, 
meet similar people, onboard people maybe, you know, whatever you're going to use it for, but it's all just there kind of squashed together in one good place. And the fact that it's for companies that want to help, you know, help people and sort of help society, as you touched upon, just makes it even better, which... Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's great. Very, very good. Um and, and and hope it all goes well. Even though it does sound like a recruitment company, but you know, we'll uh we'll no, <laughs> nothing wrong exactly. with that. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be remiss of us not to mention the slight critique of the government, the the tax incentive attack that's likened to an attack on job creation. Um tax breaks really important to businesses right now. I appreciate that the bill is getting bigger and bigger and bigger for the country as the months go on, but surely it makes no sense to attack the one sector where you can see easy growth, easy job creation, the ability to scale up teams. Where is where? Well, I don't know why I'm surprised that the thinking from the government doesn't seem to make any sense anymore. But there we go. It's just, it, uh, do you know, what I mean? there's there's a few things right to to think about when you think about the the tax breaks and stuff. A, you're giving organisations a bit of. I guess just financial freedom um, for a given amount of time to say, look, you know, go out, invest, uh, be adventurous. But also at the same time, I think organizations need to remember in the back of their mind that at some point they do need to give this money back as well. So you can't just go gun ho and run around like headless chickens, uh, you know, buying this or, or, or adding on to, you know, whatever. Um, so I think, I think there's an element of, of kind of just being a bit careful. Um, do I think it needs to get extended or or, or whatever? Possibly. Um, but at the moment, there's, there's so many things. And, and what I'm a bit worried about and scared about is when the taps do turn off. So when the government, you know, says, right, you know, all these small businesses now need to start paying their tax back, the furlough schemes off, you know, all the kind of grants that are available. So when the taps come off, then what basically then that 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 will be the the telling time right that that will that's when we'll be able to see how good the economy is because at the moment you can fabricate a lot of numbers right you can fabricate a lot of things but when the taps turn off then we'll be able to actually get a good picture of right what industries are struggling well what needs to happen you know and then don't be surprised you know to see some big household names or organizations i think struggle to stay afloat as bad as that sounds sounds grim doesn't it middle of january we're used to grim very true very true and we're past what, what is it called blue monday is it called blue monday we're oh, past yeah. that yeah yeah we're past that yeah. yeah onwards and upwards eh we've got valentine's day to look forward there to go. there we go okay positive signs <laughs> oh what a valentine's day it'll be as well locked at home with nothing Brilliant. to do <laughs> lots, lots of men desperately trying to learn how to cook <laughs> If they don't already. That's a very stereotype view. Given that I do all the cooking in this house as well, I'm sure that's a very stereotype view. Anyway, uh, Akish, are you cooking on Valentine's uh, Day? Nah, mate. Deliveroo, probably. Yeah, nah, yeah. <laughs> Deliveroo, Deliveroo. There we go. You are, you are entrenching that stereotype. Thanks for that. Uh, right, we'll go to an advert break. When we come back, we'll talk about a little bit of tech news. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. 
As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Welcome back to the show. A bit of tech news. Uh, we're going to go stateside. Uh, obviously, yesterday at the time of recording, so two days ago when this goes out, it was President Biden's inauguration and his fitness regime is causing a headache for security services. Basically, he likes Peloton. Um, so at home in Wellington, Delaware, he's reported to start each day with a workout, gym equipment, weights, treadmill and a Peloton bike. Um, and they're a bit they're a bit nervous in the uh, White House because, of course, Peloton has microphones and cameras. Uh, so they're trying to work out how he can continue his Peloton classes um, without it being a cybersecurity uh, hack risk, which is really quite funny. Um, also, quite funny the idea that that people might just be on Peloton and then all of a sudden be like, "Hang on a minute, that's Joe Biden in his class." Um, who knew? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that. Surely, surely, when you're the president of the US, they're going to have the resources to make sure this works for you. 100%. You'd, you'd think so, yeah. You'd, you'd like to think, I think so. Also half, but I, I think also half of America probably chucking their Peloton bikes out that hate Biden, maybe. Uh, and then half of them are now <laughs> trying to buy him, I guess. So there could be some good economies of scale coming up for Peloton. Um, I think... I wonder, I, right, okay, look, Peloton is uber bougie, Very. right? Let's face it, the half of America that voted for Biden are probably the bougier probably, half. Probably, yeah. Or yeah. more than half, rather, the 81 million. Uh, I'm going to hazard a guess that the demographics would say fewer, proportionally fewer Trump supporters have Peloton mm-hmm. than Biden supporters true, anyway. True. I think um I, th- I, I think it's crazy though, isn't it? It's literally mad how uh, you move into the White House, he's probably got, you know, shitloads of things already done for him. He, he probably hasn't had to do nothing. And then the one thing that's concerning the security bosses is, you know, this bike uh, that's gonna be somewhere. I think personally he's the blimmin' president of the United States. He'll probably bring Peloton's number one, I don't know, class tutor whatever the hell they call it instructor uh in and they can give him private lessons i'm assuming uh yeah just one yeah. on one let's face it if you're peloton then you're gonna, you're gonna mean, want to do that right? yeah you wouldn't turn that down would you i mean and if i'm peloton yeah. and if i'm the marketing department at peloton at the moment i am definitely trying to do some sort of presidential marketing ad um you know so get rid of that shitty one that comes on tv there one peloton shit you know it might be some like <laughs> my fellow American stuff. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, apparently it's not the first time they've had some issues because in 2017, a review revealed that Michelle Obama, when she was first lady, had been supplied with a specifically modified Peloton that came without a camera or a microphone. I mean, that is the simple option. Just get rid of the camera and the microphone. It's not like Joe Biden needs to be using the microphone during a class anyway. I mean, what's, mm-hmm. you know. I- no, but I feel like the, the microphone and the camera is the fun bit because I feel like if I do a workout off of youtube i, I can't get into oh, it have you got peloton? no no i haven't got i haven't got peloton i i wish oh, i'm not that bougie um but i mean if you do it live that kind of gives you like the incentive doesn't it to sort of say like oh i've got to you know i can't just sort of drag my heels here can i because other people are watching so he probably wants the camera to give him like a bit of a kick up the ass to keep going mm-hmm. 
And if someone who's nearly 80 years old is kicking your ass, then you've got issues. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Because they don't just do like the um, the bike anymore, do they? It's, is it no, like other classes as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah yoga, weights, everything. Um, all right, so here's a question to finish the show on. Um, if you were in a live exercise class, uh, who do you think you would most want to pop up unexpectedly, unexpectedly alongside you on the virtual class list? Oh, uh, Ooh, that's a good question. Alongside me, or it just sat in front of me? No, oh, like right. in the class, so you're like going through the list of users, and it's like you know, oh bloody hell, Joe Biden's here. Uh, Biden. uh, do you know what? I'd, I'd, I'd it, going back to one of the chats. Was it with with Hilo, or was it with someone else? that we were talking about. Yeah. No, it was with the um, the fitness guys, the tracking. Oh, train train my athlete. athlete. I'd love to be with yeah. a professional cyclist. So, like, let's say Chris Froome or, or someone like that, right? So, if you're just there and you're thinking, oh, I'm going somewhere, and they're just not even breaking a sweat. They're, they're like us right now, and we're absolutely pounding it. And they'll just be like, oh, this is nothing. Do you know what I mean? Just like to see the levels, I think. Yeah. That's, that's what I would, yeah. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Amber, anyone in particular? Ooh, yeah, I, I have to agree with the quiche. I think it's got to be a like an athlete, like if you put like Usain Bolt or something in there, just to see how you get on, just to compare yourself. Mm. Yeah. Or, or yeah, I'm thinking, I can't see I'd win that or, one, but um, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. I know Lee Westwood. I don't. I don't know whether it would be interesting. Maybe it'd be interesting in as much as it'd be interesting for you to find out just how quick he is. I, I don't think it's going to be competitive. <laughs> do um, do either of you know Lee uh, Westwood? What? Do you know? Him? Yeah. yeah. So he's he does it, and if you follow him on Instagram, he just goes into random classes and stuff, and starts like shouting out people, and yeah. So I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go on a class with him and Michael Vaughan, who's the next cricketer, because they um, they yeah, they love yeah, it, and it's all over their Instagrams all the time. So that'd be quite fun, I thought. Maybe we should we should get a peloton and sign up as user at POTUS and just see if anyone yeah i reckon anyone thinks you go by i reckon our house will get raided probably in about two weeks <laughs> <laughs> what they're gonna do they'll discover a whole load of office yeah. chairs they're all in back of his four by four yeah exactly right i think that'll do for today's show uh amber thanks for coming on and debuting yes debuting on the show uh thanks as ever and um we will be back next week. Oh.